Good morning, everyone. I'm John Schmidt, the senior pastor here at Centerpoint Fellowship. And I just, uh, that little bumper that we show there is just so amazing to me. Those are pictures of a cave in Vietnam that was discovered not even 10 years ago. And people had gone down to the opening of this cave and it opened up into these giant rooms that were 400 feet high and a half a mile long. And the cave was so much more than anybody knew was there. I mean, people were living all around it. They just didn't know it was there. And one of my favorite things about being a pastor is when people have been coming to our church for a while and all of a sudden they start reading the Bible and they go, do you know how good this book is? And I go, yeah, I've read it. It's really good. But it's just so much more. Or they'll discover a connect group and they'll have relationships with their friends and they'll come in and they'll go, oh, I love these people. I was never even close to my family, but now I have brothers and sisters in Christ. Do you know how good this is? It's so much more. You need to tell people about this. And I go, well, yeah, I mean, I invited you, remember? You know, and, and things like this. But, but, but I love it because people are just getting all excited about this. I want you to feel that way about our church body. I want you to feel that way about the Bible. I want you to feel that way about our mission. And that's what I want to talk with you today. I mean, because sometimes when people, when a person gets to tell someone else about Christ, they, they talk to a friend about Jesus and they pray with him. They're experiencing something that connects them all the way back to when they accepted Christ. And they realize, hey, I'm part of a process that's going on all over the world. It's just so much more. And if that resonates with you today, and you'd like to be a part of what God is doing globally, to bring people to Christ, to save people's souls for eternity, man, you're going to love this message. Would you pray with me, please? Oh, Lord, you have so much more in store for us than just attending church. Lord, you, you want us to know you and to love you. You want us to be your witnesses everywhere we go. And, oh, God, today I pray that you will whet our appetites for all the more you have for us in this marvelous mission you've given us. In the wonderful name of Jesus, I pray that you'll speak and move me out of the way. Help us see the more in our mission. In the name of Christ, amen. Point one, just a reminder here, Jesus has given all of his followers a mission. The great commission that Jesus told his disciples right before he ascended into heaven was, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. But it wasn't just a commission to Peter and James and John, the original, disciple, original set of disciples. It was for you and me. John 17, Jesus is praying. He says, just as you sent me in the world, into the world, I'm sending them into the world. That's John 17, 18. Here's John 17, 20. Who's he talking about? I'm praying not only for these disciples, but also for all who will ever believe in me, through their message. Is there a place in the Bible where the Bible says that Jesus prayed for me? Yep, right there. John 17, 20. For all who will ever believe in me through their message. Jesus prayed for you and me. And one of the things he prayed was that you and I would embrace our mission. Just as uh, God the Father sent him into the world, he said, so I'm sending John Schmidt into the world. So I'm sending Tom and Susie and Bill. God is sending us into the world. This is our mission. To make disciples. The good news that was passed on to us we get to be ambassadors of that good news going on around the world. That's what the word evangelism means. To spread the good news. Point two, 
well, the next three points are going to be things about our mission, about this mission. I want us to realize it's more urgent than we realize, it's more doable than we realize, and it's more rewarding than we realize. But let's start with how urgent it is. One of the things we don't realize, kind of like those people walking in a cave, is we don't realize how urgent our mission is. I doubt if you've been going to church for a while or if you've been coming to Centerpoint for a while that you haven't heard us talk about the Great Commission. We talk about it routinely. It's on the bulletin jacket here. That we understand, but sometimes we don't understand how urgent this is. It was the same way in the first century uh, because people just, they'd been Christians for a while and they're going, well, you know, how urgent is this? Well, point A reminds us that Jesus is coming back soon. So our mission is more urgent than we realize because Jesus is coming back soon. Peter wrote about this in 2 Peter 3. I want to remind you that in the last days, scoffers will come, mocking the truth and following their own desires. They'll say, ah, whatever happened to the promise that Jesus is coming again. Everything's remained the same since the world was first created. And you might be thinking, do people really say that? I was at lunch with a guy a couple of weeks ago, and he said basically exactly that. Ah, uh, we don't know if that's even going to happen. I mean, this was our conversation. And I was glad to tell him what Peter said. But you must not forget this one thing, dear friend. Thing, dear friends, a day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand years is like a day. The Lord isn't really being slow about His promise, as some people think. No, He's being patient for your sake. He doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, but He wants everyone to repent. But the day of the Lord will come as unexpectedly as a thief, and then the heavens will pass away with a terrible noise, and the very elements themselves will disappear in fire, and the earth and everything on it will be found to deserve judgment. And since everything around us is going to be destroyed like this, what holy and godly lives you should live, looking forward to the day of God and hurrying it along. And remember, the Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Can we read that last sentence together out loud, please? And remember... The Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Why hasn't Jesus come back yet? He told the disciples, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. When everything's ready, I'll come get you. In the margin, you can write Matthew 24, 14. That's where he told them, among all the signs of the end of the world, of earthquakes and wars and rumors of wars, all these things, he said, also the gospel will be preached in every nation around the world. So as many people who can ever hear the gospel and repent of their sins will have done so, when the mission is complete, he'll come back. If we have a mission to tell the world about Jesus, when the mission is complete, he'll return. That's why Peter says you ought to be hurrying it along. Well, how would I hurry it along? By embracing the mission. By doing my part. I mean, this is... The whole thing about that it's more than just one or two people. This past week, Billy Graham passed away. He's one of my heroes. Uh, I've been reading a lot of articles about him. The Billy Graham Association is confident that he spoke to at least 215 million people about Jesus. Tens of millions of people repented and came to Christ through the ministry of Billy Graham. On a, If you take your outline and just open it flat, what you'll see is right across there are some quotations. Consider I just put in four quotes just from Billy Graham. His first quote under that quotation is consider is this, I have one message, that Jesus Christ came, that he died on a cross, he rose again, he asked us to repent of our sins and receive him by faith as Lord and Savior. And if we do, we have forgiveness of all of our sins. If that's good news to you this morning, would you say Amen. 
Billy Graham was used by God to share this with people all around the world, hundreds of millions of people. But Billy Graham also many times said, hey, look, this is a special thing that God had anointed him to do, had, had assigned him to do. It wasn't for everyone. He, he, was, he would be the first to tell you, but there are so many people who would never come to a Billy Graham evangelistic crusade. People that you or I could talk to, though, over lunch. People that live down the street or a family member. Or I could tell them the same things, that Jesus died on a cross, that he rose again, that he asked us to repent of our sins and receive him by faith as Lord and Savior, and if we do, we'll have forgiveness of all of our sins. Peter says this is an urgent message. This is what God wants us to get out to the whole world. And when people repent, we bring them in, and we disciple them and train them up and send them out to do the same thing. And Jesus said, I'm praying for them, Father, all the people who will ever believe in this message. It's urgent because Jesus is coming back one day, and I want him to find this church. I want him to find John Schmidt. I want him to find everyone in the sound of my voice busy doing exactly this. Man, I want that. I think you do too. But not only is it urgent because Jesus is coming back soon, it's urgent because life is short. Our days on earth are like grass, like wildflowers. We bloom and die. The wind blows. We're gone as though we've never been here. Psalm 103. The older I get, the, the truer this verse seems to me. Can anybody else relate to what I'm talking about? Yeah. The longer you live, the faster life goes. And I want to tell you one thing that I hope... Oh, I want to tell you just maybe the best way to say it is the thing that breaks my heart. One of the things that breaks my heart the most is a pastor. I'm involved in a lot of funerals. And I have been for the last few decades. And sometimes people meet me after a graveside and they walk with me to my car. Or they'll meet me at a funeral home. Or they'll call me a week after a funeral or other things. And they say, i got to talk to you. And I'll meet with them and they have tears streaming down their face. And they say, you have to pray with me. I don't even understand how this is possible. But I never talked to my dad about Christ. I've been a Christian for 30 years my dad lived to be 80, and I never talked to him about Jesus. How is that possible? I never talked to my sister about Christ. We talked about our kids, and we talked about our budgets, and we talked about our husbands, and we talked about diets and sports and weather, and we never talked about Jesus once. And they are torn in two because it's too late. I mean, those people walking in a cave, this cave is so much bigger than they ever realized. I think when we get to the end of our lives, we realize how fast our life went. It's shorter than we realized. Why didn't I talk about the things that were truly important with the people I love the most? How did I ever get my priorities this jumbled? And that's exactly what Peter says. We ought to be hurrying it along, living good lives, proclaiming the gospel today. And the good news is we get to. We get to. This mission is more urgent than we think because Jesus is coming back soon. It's more urgent than we think because life is short. You flip around and over. It's also more urgent than we think because those who die without a personal relationship with Jesus will spend eternity in hell.
this is painful. And if this is disturbing to you, I mean, to hear this, it should be. A few scriptures that we need to be reminded of often. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. This is why we need a Savior. Jesus came to save sinners. I'm a sinner. You're a sinner. In fact, if I stood before you and I told you I have never sinned, you would all laugh. You would go, that's outrageous, John. Everyone's a sinner. Right, which is why everyone needs Jesus. Because Jesus paid the penalty for our sins. That's the next reference. For the wages of sin is death. So if I'm a sinner, I will die. Not just a physical death, but I will also die a spiritual death forever in hell. Separated from God and his love. Thrown into the lake of fire, a place prepared for the devil and his demons. This is what the scripture teaches. The wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. Not only are we all sinners, not only will we all die, but each person is destined, this is Hebrews 9, 27, to die once and after that comes judgment. There is no reincarnation. After we die, we face judgment. Our eternal destiny is decided while we live here in this world and whether or not we have given our lives to Christ. He is our Savior. We cannot earn our salvation. We can accept our salvation as a free gift. Christ paid the penalty in full on our behalf. We're sinners. We die. We face judgment. What would that judgment look like? John gave us a glimpse of this in Revelation chapter 20. I saw the dead, both great and small, standing before God's throne. And the books were opened, including the book of life. And the dead were judged according to what they'd done, as recorded in the books. And anyone whose name was not found, recorded in the book of life, was thrown into the lake of fire. The only way to be sure your name is in the book of life is through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I mean, that's what Billy Graham talked about. That was his one message. There was a message on the other night on television. They were replaying one of his crusade sermons from the 70s. And he stood up there and told them, he goes, how long do you have? How do you know? Come to Jesus today. He even told them the buses would wait. And he told them, come now. Come today. Why would you delay about the most important decision? But he also told them this. I mean, if you go back to those quotes again, the second quote there, Billy said, are you frustrated, bewildered, dejected, breaking down under the strains of life? Then listen for a moment to me. Say yes to the Savior tonight, and in a moment you'll know such comfort as you've never known. I mean, can you imagine this? And those of us who've come to Christ go, oh, yes, I know it. People all over the world need Christ. They need forgiveness of sins. There are people who are frustrated, bewildered, dejected, breaking under the strains of life. They have no hope. Jesus is hope. And we get to be a part of the mission. I mean, it's just so much more than we ever realized. It's not just for the Billy Grahams of the world. We each get to be a part of it. But 
but it's more urgent than we think. And the consequences are high. And here's a note. Jesus is the only person who can give us a right standing with God. Never believe there are many ways to God. There's only one way. And that's through a personal relationship with Jesus. Christ suffered for our sins once for all time. He never sinned, but he died for sinners to bring you safely home to God. That's why we put our faith in him. I can't die to pay the penalty for your sins because I'm just as much a sinner as you are. You can't die to pay the penalty for my sins. You're just as much a sinner as I am. But Jesus came into this world and he never sinned and he paid the penalty for us all. And if that's good news to you, would you say amen? amen. This is why we sing his praises. There's only one God, Paul writing to Timothy, there's only one God, one mediator who can reconcile God and humanity, and that's the man Christ Jesus. He gave his life to purchase freedom for everyone, and this is the message God gave to the world at just the right time. This is the message that he's given you and me to share with our friends and neighbors and loved ones. Why would we not want to embrace this? And it's so rewarding when we do. I love it when people come to Christ and we baptize them and somebody stands with them at the baptism pool or sometimes they stand in the pool with them and they get to be a part of the baptism. They go, this is the coolest thing I've ever seen. I'm getting to do exactly what the disciples did. Yes, you are. And you're part of the mission. And you're fulfilling the deepest desire of your soul. When you came to Christ, you realized, oh my goodness, I was created for him. And then when you share that same wonderful understanding with someone else and they discover a relationship with Christ, you go, oh, and together we we're created for him. This is such good news. And we get to be a part. Our mission is more urgent than we think. Life's short. Jesus is coming soon. Hell is real. But our mission is also more doable than we think. Well, John, I'm not Billy Graham. Well, last I looked, there was Billy Graham was only Billy Graham. I mean, he was a special guy. He was a very, very special person. God expected Billy to make the most of the opportunities he had, and I believe he did. God just expects you and me to make the most of the opportunities it gives us. So I'm going to remind us of four things on this, how doable it is. First of all, here's, if, if we want to be obedient, we just have to do four things. First of all, we must become aware. Aware of people around us who need hope, who need life, who need forgiveness, who need God. Jesus told his disciples, you know the saying, four months between planting and harvest, but I say wake up and look around. The field's already ripe with harvest. Oh, my goodness. I remember my wife, Debbie, had a conversation with a, a woman who lived next door to us a number of years ago. She's since gone on to be with the Lord, but um, she had been through a series of painful conversations with this woman. She'd made a lot of bad decisions in her life, been through a lot of pain. And I remember one day, Debbie was able to pray with her about asking Christ into her life, and the whole conversation came about where Debbie had just listened to her and um, shared with her this question, aren't you tired? Aren't you tired? Won't you give it to Jesus? Do you know that there are people all around us, they are so tired. They're tired of their guilt, and they're tired of their shame, and they're tired of the fear of dying, and they are just 
tired of the rat race and trying to find significance in things that don't satisfy, and they need Jesus. And what if we prayed that God would open our eyes and make us aware? Family members who are far from Christ, co-workers, somebody just moved in down the street. What if we prayed that God would make us aware? God, are they people who need the good news? Secondly, we must commit to prayer, to praying about this. Praying for awareness of people and then praying for people. 1 Timothy 2, I urge you, first of all, to pray for all people. Ask God to help them, intercede on their behalf and give thanks for them. Pray this way for kings and all in authority so that we can live peaceful and quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity. Those verses are often read at election time when we pray for that we can live peaceful and quiet lives and godliness and dignity. It stops right there. It is important to pray for our leaders as we elect our leaders, but here's the reason why. This is good and pleases God our Savior who wants everyone to be saved and understand the truth. The reason we want quiet and godly lives is so we can get on with our mission without government interference. So we can tell people about Christ. But will we pray for these opportunities? Will we pray for our leaders? Will we pray that God will give us the right words when the moment comes? Some of you have heard me share this before, but the most dramatic time in my life when I've seen this point come true was a number of years ago when my wife and I were living in Houston, Texas. I was working with a ministry to high school students, and I just had not had an opportunity to share the gospel with anybody in a while where I just I wanted a chance to tell somebody about Christ and appointments I'd set up fell through, all kinds of frustrations, and I was praying every day, God, give me an opportunity to share my faith. Give me an opportunity to share my faith. Please give me an opportunity to share my faith. And one day I was on my way to work, and it was the middle of summer, and it was hot, and I was driving on the Houston interstate system, which is always a giant traffic jam, and my car broke down. And this was before cell phones, and I had to walk forever to go find a payphone, then walk back and wait for a tow truck. And I sat there, I was, my clothes were soaked through, it was all hot and sweaty and everything else, and finally the tow truck driver comes, he hooks up my car, and we're off, and I am mad. The whole time I'm sitting there, I'm going, man, Lord, here I am praying for an opportunity to share my faith, I'm praying, I'm doing ministry for you, and now my car breaks down. Thank you, Lord. You know, that kind of prayer. <laughs> Which is a dangerous prayer, by the way, but anyway. So, I get in the tow truck with this guy, and I kid you not, this is what happens. I get in the tow truck. He hooks up the car, and we're pulling away from the thing. I'm looking out the window, and I'm just fuming mad because my whole day is ruined and nothing's going right. And this tow truck driver goes, now this is going to sound really weird to you, but do you know anything about God? Because I'm really confused, and I need somebody to tell me about God. You might as well stop the truck because I'm under conviction. Okay, is what was going on. I mean, I turned around and looked at him, and it had never even entered my head. God, why are you let me get stuck on the side of the road? Because I'm trying to tee up a tow truck driver who needs to hear about Jesus. Remember, you prayed about this eight days in a row? And if you go, oh, that would never happen to me. Hey, I didn't think it would happen to me. When's the last time you got on your knees and prayed for an opportunity to tell someone about Jesus? When? Why is that not a priority every day?
God, if you give me the opportunity and you give me the words to say, I'll, I'll say it. I'll go. Send me to a tow truck driver. I mean, honestly, I prayed about it. I never thought what the, what the prayer might look like. Do you know if you and I pray, we might have that amazing opportunity to meet that neighbor who moved in down the street. We might have the most amazing conversation ever with somebody at work. They're going, hey, could I talk to you? I'm just really feeling terrible about my life right now, and you just seem like somebody I could talk to. Could I talk to you? You know what that would be called? That would be called an answer to prayer. God loves the world so much, he sent his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him will not perish but have everlasting life. God has not come back because he's giving more time for people to repent and more time for you and me to play. Let's play. Point C. Okay, look. We become aware, we commit to prayer, then we show we care. Paul said, though I'm free and belong to no man, I make myself a slave to everyone. Could you read the last few words out loud with me, please? To win as many as possible. Why would I want to serve people? So I could show them God's love. Why would you want to do that? So the conversation comes up. Hey, why do you do this? Because I'm a Christian. What does that mean? Can I tell you? Sure. And that brings us to the last one. We must be ready to share. If I pray for the opportunity and God provides it, gives me an opportunity to serve and win, win their respect, then I just got to be ready to share. I need to write out a few thoughts. If you ever need help with this, by the way, you can call our staff. We will help you work on your testimony. We'll help you work on a gospel presentation anytime, any day. If you ever have a staff person who won't help you with that, I want to know. You must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your Christian hope, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Man, I love that. Praying, serving, gentleness and respect, listening. We may just be sowing a seed, by the way. Maybe the person doesn't profess Christ that day, but the seed we sowed, that came to fruition 10 years later when somebody else was there with them. Sometimes you'll be the one who gets the process started, and sometimes you're the beneficiary of something, the process was started eight years ago by somebody else. And if you're worried that you don't have the strength for it, well, that's, here's some good news for you too. God will give us the power we need to accomplish our mission. It's urgent. It's more doable than we think because it's just these steps and God's going to give us the power to do it. So we keep on praying for you, Paul said, asking God to enable you to live a life worthy of his call. May he give you the power. You can underline that. May he give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. He gave me a tow truck driver. I mean, you've been praying for it. Now, if you just get over your bad attitude, we can get on with this. Man, that's the kind of God we serve. Our mission is more urgent than we think. Our mission is more doable than we think. And a third thing I want to remind us of here this morning is our mission is more rewarding than we think. And this is where I started on this. I mean, when you get involved in this, that was so electrifying. I had such a bad attitude that day until after we pulled in at the repair shop and I went through the gospel with that tow truck driver and prayed with him. My whole day was amazing after that. Oh, God is good. 
I was going, yeah, yeah, thanks, Mr. Grumble. Okay, here we go. Of course he's good. If you're going to pray, believe. Be ready. Let's go. Man, only those who throw away their lives for my sake and for the sake of the good news will ever know what it means to really live. You want something really rewarding? Spend some time praying for someone. Minister to them and serve with them. Pray with them when they receive Christ and stand with them at their baptism. You want to know rewarding? You'll know rewarding. It's amazing. Jesus said the harvesters are paid good wages. The fruit they harvest is people brought into eternal life. And what joy awaits both the planter and the harvester alike. Jesus said, I pay great wages. You work for me, you get eternal life and eternal rewards. And you get to be a part of watching people come into the kingdom, changing the population of heaven and hell for eternity. Billy Graham, I read another quote the other day. He said, look, I just want one thing to be said. I want the Lord to tell me, well done, good and faithful servant. I believe he heard that when he entered into heaven. I want that for me. I want that for you. This is a mission for all of us. It's more urgent than we think. It's more doable than we think. And the rewards are out of this world, pun intended. Would you pray with me? Oh, gracious God, I thank you for your servant, Billy Graham. I thank you for the life he lived and his obedience to your call. And God, I just pray that you would make us obedient to the call you've given each one of us. Father, I pray that we will not be afraid ever to share the gospel, but that you will give us power and boldness, that you will give us love for people we do not know, that you will give us the ability to see people around us who are deeply in need. Forgive us for our selfishness and self-centeredness. Forgive us for how many things distract us from the important task that you have set directly before us. If while I was speaking today, the thought crossed your mind, I wish my dad was here, I wish my sister was here, I wish my neighbor was here, would you pray for that person right now? Would you pray that God would reach out to that person right now? And that person would see Jesus in you. Oh God, we pray these things in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The night before he was crucified, Jesus reminded his disciples of exactly what he was doing on the cross. He took a piece of bread and he broke it. And he said, this is my body broken for you. As often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Today, we're going to be taking the Lord's Supper together. And we're going to be reminding ourselves that the body of Christ was broken on the cross for you and me. The wrath of God towards sin, all the punishment of sin that should have been directed toward me and towards you was directed on Jesus, and he died so we could live. And when we eat the bread, we're remembering that. At that last supper, Jesus also took a cup of wine and poured it among the disciples, poured it out in a cup, and he passed it among the disciples. And he told them, drink of this. This is my blood that washes away the sins of the world. 
my sins, your sins. He died so we could live. The next day when they saw him dying on the cross and the blood flowing from the crown of thorns in his head and the wounds in his hands and his feet and his side, they understood. We must never forget that this is what he has done. We must also never forget that this is what he wants for the whole world. We have tables at the front of the room. We have tables in the back corners or out in the hallway. Um, you'll see where they are. You'll be directed there. Please go. And if, you are, if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ and you believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins, you have surrendered your life to him as your Lord and Savior, then you come and you pick up the bread and the cup and we'll have this meal together. Just return to your seats and I'll give us some instructions. We'll eat together. But if today as I was talking, especially about hell and some other things, you're going, I don't know if I've ever made that decision. We're going to have some pastors in front of Steve. If you come up here, Tommy, if you'd be here, we would like to also be here available to pray with you today. If, if you, or after the service too, if you say, I want to make sure I have a right relationship with the Lord. I, I want to talk to somebody about that. You come right now. We can settle this today. And so we're going to offer you a chance to respond today. And we'd love for you to come. Shelly's going to lead us in some singing as we come. But I invite you to stand now. Table's in the back. Table's in the front. Come for a Holy Communion or come to talk to one of us. You come.